Hello everyone, welcome once again to A Reason for Hope. Glad that you are joining us again. It's like being on the Muppet Show all of a sudden. It's time to start the music. Yeah, that's a good one. We should switch out the intro music for that. I would love that. A Reason for Hope is a is a live. we digress. If I can wrangle these guys, it will be a live hour-long broadcast dedicated to you. Yo, it's the OGs. That's right. It's the OGs. The Southern California guys. Oh my goodness, pray for me today <laughs> i've got my work cut out for me um, we're with you live for the next hour you can send in your bible questions through the multiple platforms that we're streaming live <laughs> to wherever you found us uh, send your questions in through the chat function and uh, we use the bible god's word the bible to answer those questions that's what we're all about here at reason for hope these uh, men these guests that we have are very brave and um, use their years of study in the word and the holy spirit of course and the lord's help to find answers to those questions so maybe it's a verse or passage of scripture that you have a question on or the bible as a whole even christianity um as a as a you know faith and worldview maybe even other worldviews maybe something you're going through personally in your life and you'd like a biblical perspective on that things going on in the world that seem to contradict scripture whatever it is just an, as long as it's an honest question and you know we are going to use the bible to answer those questions that's what we're about here at a reason for hope we're very glad that you're joining us and we welcome those questions uh, be brave don't be shy there's no stupid question as long as it's an honest question so send them in someone said to me the other day like I'm, i've never sent a question in but people always ask questions that's been on my heart as well so you could be one of those people that send a question in and it can minister to other people so uh, send them in and i'll be uh, viewing those and keeping up with uh, all those platforms as we go along my name's dave robson and i'm your host today with us today it's a special Friday here. Uh, we have Pastor Scott Richards, who's the senior pastor here at Calvary Christian Fellowship. He's also an author and, you know, Bible teacher, of course, and the founder of this this uh, ministry, A Reason for Hope. That's so, right. Yeah. It's good to have you with us. How are you doing? Yeah, doing fantastic. Can't wait to see where the Lord leads and guides us on this journey of discovery we have every day. I know. We never yeah. know. We never yeah. know. The questions guide along. Also yeah, with yeah. us today... <laughs> Special treat, Pastor Bo. He's the assistant pastor here at Calvary Christian Fellowship. Also an author <laughs> of uh, Porn and a Pastor. That's right. That's a title. <laughs> I, I love how you said that. <laughs> Very emphatic. Kind of got all American on us. He there did. That us. was yeah. that was good. Well, those are pastor and porn are words that I say differently to Americans. Yeah, so that's right. It's like like porn, like a porn shop. Like yeah. what are you talking about? So, um, but uh, as I say, assistant pastor here, and mm -hmm. also the. Um, uh, founder of Running Light Ministries, which That's is right. dedicated to sexuality yeah. from a biblical standpoint, Christian That's correct. standpoint. Yeah, very much so. To say, yeah. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome, dude. It's good to be here. Yeah, it's, yeah. Good, to, it's good to have you with us. Thank you for, for making the time, both you guys, to, to do this so faithfully weekdays. I'm here at a Reason for Hope. We do have a lot of fun indeed. So, well, as I mentioned, Reason for Hope is a, is a live broadcast Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. That's here in Tucson, Arizona is where we're broadcasting uh, from. But of course, you can join us all around the world through the wonders of the internets. Um, and we do have people from all around the world, which is always very exciting to see. Um, it's, a, it's a ministry and an outreach of Calvary Christian Fellowship. That's why you hear us mention that so much. Calvary Christian Fellowship here in Tucson. If you're in the Tucson area and looking for somewhere to fellowship and worship the Lord and study the word, um, come check us out. We're near Prince and I-10 on the west side of the freeway. Um, so if that's something that would interest you, you're very... Uh, welcome. Uh, you can check out our website there at calvarychristianfellowship.com. We have archived uh, messages there and um, all kinds of studies and support groups and things going on. So don't be a stranger. You're welcome to check out our website 
And if you go to that Watch Live tab that's right there, that takes you to our live page. Whenever we're live, you will find us there, the services here at Calvary Christian Fellowship, and uh, also a reason for hope every day. Uh, when we're online, you'll see the video. You can sign in with a username and then be part of the broadcast through the chat function there. Uh, when we're offline, you'll see a countdown to our next show and a schedule of upcoming events, so you don't have to miss a thing. Uh, the direct link to that is ccftucson.online.church, or again, just follow the link from our calvarychristianfellowship.com website. <clears throat> we're on Facebook as well. Look for Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson. We're live there as we speak, and uh, you can use the, the chat box there to send your question as well. And don't forget to like and share. We'd love to have a further reach. So if you've been blessed by this ministry, share us around. That would be great. And once again, send your question in there. Facebook.com slash CCF Tucson. As you go there, you'll see a picture of Pastor Scott right there. Um, that's how you know you found us. What a lovely welcome. <laughs> uh, we're I sign his checks, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, we have a, a mobile app as well. If you look for Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson in your app store, that's a red background with the Calvary Chapel uh, white dove logo right there. There's a few Calvary Christian Fellowships. So, um, so that's the that's us. Red background, white Calvary Chapel dove logo. You can download us on your iPhone or your Android or mobile device. And we have a channel on Roku and Apple TV as well. So go to your channel store and look for Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson. Then you can watch us on your big screen. Uh, we're on YouTube, of course. <laughs> uh, look for A Reason for Hope. That's the name of the channel on YouTube. And that live tab there, whenever we've been live, it will automatically archive right there. And so if you missed the show or want to recap or even check out our services, uh, we have an archive of those there in their entirety. So, And once again, with, you, with uh, YouTube, don't forget to like and um, subscribe. And if you click on that bell, you'll get notified when we're live. We'll get a little reminder as well. So that's YouTube. Uh, Pastor Scott here is on Twitter, so if you're on Twitter, you might want to follow him, Scott R4H, that's Scott, letter R, number four, letter H, and he posts all kinds of uh, tomfoolery and shenanigans, but also uh, just commentary on, on world events and, and news events as it pertains to prophecy and end times and all that kind of good stuff. There's so much going on. He often gives an update on the show here, but you can follow along with, uh, on Twitter with him as well, uh, and he posts kind of highlighted questions from the show and just all kinds of stuff. So. Twitter person, Scott R4H. We're on Rumble as well. Right now we just post our archive shows there, but if you're on that platform, um, add a reason for hope, Bible Q&A. And of course we have an email address, questionsforhope at gmail.com. That's questionsforhope spelled out at gmail.com. You can email us there, of course, at any time. And if you're listening to us on the radio, you're listening to a, a pre-recorded uh, version of our show, pretty much yesterday's show or the last show that we did pre-recorded so we're not live with you per se but you can use that email address questionsforhope at gmail.com and we get to those questions on our show as well so we're glad you're joining us on your drive time or for whatever reason you're on the radio and uh, but maybe consider joining us on one of the live platforms if you'd like to be part of the show live I think uh, I covered it all I, I feel like I feel like it's time to take off. Like uh, that, you are the best stewardess ever. <laughs> That's you right. just laid it all out. Stewardess, yeah. Is that an acceptable word anymore? Uh, I believe the term is flight attendant. Oh, <laughs> right. No. Oh, <laughs> not the fact that he called me a stewardess. It's, it's a flight attendant. <laughs> our, our flight attendant, Delving Dave, well, over I thought, here. I thought That's that right. was appropriate. 
<laughs> Today's culture. Yeah, it can be whatever, whatever yeah. the day is. As long as it floats your boat. You guys That's didn't right. know. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it just felt like I, I just got out of a plane not too long ago, yeah. so it felt very plain. All the instructions. Yeah, but yeah. let's pray well, and be, get into it. I'll be passing out the, you know, the peanuts and the, yeah. the drinks and all that kind of stuff, and passing your seatbelts, but. Yeah, this is the senior pastor and assistant pastor of this church. <laughs> you see, you see what we deal with. You there. just don't want to find out how the sausage gets made. That's, <laughs> that's, right, that's right, exactly. Well, Bo, would you like to? Now you now you fasten your seatbelt and you're yeah, comfortable. I'm ready. Would you like to pray? Yes, for let's us pray. before we go. Any yep, Father, we give you glory today. We thank you so much for your goodness and for your word. How amazingly awesome your word is. We pray your Holy Spirit would move through us uh, tonight, this evening. And we pray that you would be with all the listeners and, and touch them in a special way. We, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Before we get going, I did want to let people know about uh, a wonderful magazine and a wonderful edition of the Calvary Chapel magazine. And this one, it really features a lot of what maybe people have seen in the Jesus Revolution movie. Right. And so if you have seen the Jesus Revolution, you're interested in learning more about the history of what happened in the Jesus movement uh, with Pastor Chuck Smith, I would recommend highly you go to calvarychapelmagazine.com. And man, this thing is just unreal. The pictures in here, I was flipping through this edition. They are great. I mean, you really get to see what was going on back then, the different pastors that were raised up, um, um, where they did their baptisms, what that looked like. Um, but really just so much detail there, the music um, that was involved in the Jesus Revolution, uh, really just the work of the Holy Spirit and how it really was a, an amazing work. Um, you see the amount of people that attended these events and you're, you're you look at these pictures and you're overwhelmed by it you're just like right. wow that was that's amazing to see that many people coming out and uh just loving jesus and um so i i think you'd be blessed if you went to calvary chapel magazine and you got yourself a copy of this uh like i said it's kind of a commemorative edition it has people that even i know in there um i saw a picture of Odin Fong, your friend, and, yeah. Um, yeah. and David Rosales. Another friend. Another yeah. friend. Um, and I just thought, man, this is so cool. Um, but uh, if you don't know who we're talking about, that's okay. But you, you might be interested, if you're into revival, you might really be interested in the magazine and checking it out and seeing what it was like kind of on ground level, yep. you know? So anyway, uh, that's for, uh, I hope you guys take a, take a peek at it. Yeah. How does it, because I know we'll have them here on Sunday. We're rolling this out and they're yep. free. You just put, you just take a copy, but I don't know. How does it work from the website? Can you just sign up and they send yeah, you I one? Think, I think you could sign up on the website and um, and you can pay for it and they would just send it to you. Okay. Yep. Yeah. yeah. We're not making any money on this deal. No, this isn't, <laughs> this isn't our thing. Yeah. yeah. And again, if you're at Calvary Christian Fellowship, we'll have them out. You can just grab a copy. It's totally free. Yep. We're going to announce it. But yeah, thanks both for, for sharing yeah, that. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Yeah, anything else you guys would like to share? You want to jump into the questions? Let's jump into the questions. Uh, you know, things have cooled down sufficiently in Israel, pretty much in every way, shape, and form, politically, militarily. 
Uh, we all know that peace in this world is defined as the time it takes the nations to reload. Uh, so uh, yeah. I think that's exactly what's going on here. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we just remind you of that principle of the birth pain from Matthew chapter 24. that Jesus said that wars and rumors of wars, among other things like plagues and pestilences, earthquakes in various places, uh, strange weather phenomena, that sort of thing, uh, is going to operate like a woman's labor pains. It's going to build up to almost like a fever pitch where people are going to be freaking out and what's the world coming to, and it's going to calm down for a little while and then come back a little bit more intensely. So yeah. I think we are between labor pains, uh, whether we see a labor pain in any of those other categories, always a fascinating thing because ultimately these labor pains point us to the fact that uh, the day of our salvation, the day we see Jesus face to face is nearer now than mm. when we first believed. And so I think uh, paying attention to these, these kind of current events, uh, particularly in light of the fact, I had a friend today ask me, you know, well, why do you think that we are the generation that will see the return of Jesus? Main reason is Israel's back in the land. That is probably the mm. greatest heavenly heads up anybody's ever been given. Uh, an incredibly miraculous series of events that the nation of Israel is on its historic homeland again. Uh, and, uh, you know, I just look at uh, the other things that have gone on. Uh, you know, I, I always go back to what our good friend Joel Rosenberg says in light of everything we're seeing in the news and the signs of the times and uh, what's going on in this world. If you're planning a major sin in your life, I would definitely put it off because uh, Jesus could come at any moment. Yeah, mm. yeah amen. Yeah. yeah. Is there, is there anything else prof prophetically that needs to take place before Not a Jesus? thing. Not, Not a thing. single thing. Wow. Um, you know, that's why uh, Jesus emphasized the fact that no man knows the day or hour of his return. Now, you're going to get all kinds of uh, hucksters and charlatans and, you know, over-caffeinated individuals who probably <laughs> have more enthusiasm than the knowledge. And will say things like, well, it doesn't say uh, you know, a woman will know, so I can tell you that. It, well, you know, we have to understand. Well, I'm a stewardess, apparently. There's, so maybe there's a, a doctrine in Scripture called, uh, that we call the doctrine of imminency. It's that Jesus' return would be like a thief in the night. It would be absolutely unexpected. It would be like the days of Noah, we are told, where people were eating and drinking, buying and selling, marrying and giving in marriage until Noah entered the ark, and then judgment fell. Uh, you know, there uh, is a pattern that we see in Scripture that uh, when God was going to judge the world globally, we see it with Noah, we also see it uh, with Sodom and Gomorrah, that first there is a prophetic warning uh, that uh, there is an opportunity for people to turn. Then secondly, a provision is made for the people of God that they do not uh, perish in the wrath of God. doesn't mean that God's people aren't going to perish in the wrath of man or the wrath of Satan. But it does mean that God uh, doesn't have collateral damage when he pours forth his wrath. He always provides hmm. a, a way of escape. And then once God's people are taken out of the way, then and only then judgment falls. No one in his family didn't have to swim for the ark, uh, in other words. God closed the doors and then judgment fell. And, and so uh, we, we call this imminency, meaning that there is no prophecy of Scripture that needs to be fulfilled before Jesus could return again. And that's why uh, you read solid biblically-based commentaries that were written in the 1800s where people were saying, could Jesus be coming uh, in our generation? And it was possible, certainly. Uh, Horatius Bonner, who's just a great Bible scholar, was noted uh, for the habit of uh, beginning his uh, morning by saying, perhaps today, Lord, 
And when we go to bed tonight, he would say, perhaps tonight, Lord. Mm. Well, people will say, well, but, you know, these people thought Jesus was coming and he didn't come. And, you know, what a tragedy. Well, how is, in any way, shape, or form is that a tragedy? If you live like Jesus could come at any time, and he does come, you're going to be ready. If you live like Jesus is not going to come, and then he comes, you've lost everything. Kind of a little riff on Pascal there, That's if right. you will. Yep. Uh, and, and so the doctrine of imminency tells us that we are to be constantly looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. It doesn't say we're to be constantly looking for uh, the battle of Gog and Magog. It doesn't say that we are to be looking for the mark of the beast. And that's in Titus chapter 2. Titus 2, verses 9 through 11. It doesn't say be looking constantly uh, for Armageddon. Uh, It says be looking for Jesus constantly. And the only doctrine that puts all these things together is that the coming of Jesus that Jesus is referring to in that section of Matthew 24 is his coming for his people to deliver us from the wrath that is to come. Yeah, people get confused because there's a there's a lot of uh, there's two things going on, right? There's a there's uh, passages that deal with imminency and that Jesus could return at any time, and then there's passages that talk about events that precede right. the coming of the Lord. Right. And and those two ev- there's two events, and so if you're out there and you go like oh like I didn't realize that. Yeah, there's, we're talking about two different events. Yeah, there's the Jesus scriptures. coming for his people in the clouds mm-hmm. at the events we call the rapture. Mm-hmm. And then there's Jesus returning to earth to set up his earthly kingdom. And both of those are covered in Matthew 24. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. One isn't anticipatable, the other is. Right. In other words, nobody's going to be going, gee, you know, uh, what's all this going on in the world today? You know, they're going to know that Jesus is coming back. Every eye is going to see him. Right, you know, in a second coming, a what second we call coming. the second coming, yeah. mm. but not at the event of the rapture, mm. you know. And so, if you get those two confused, you know, you end up kind of hopelessly in a contradiction. Well, what do you mean? It's like the days of Noah mm-hmm. when Jesus comes back and basically Everybody's, judges the whole world. Yeah, you know, right? Yeah, so that it, it, yeah, it would be. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. So that's why you know the Bible's uh, dealing with two different events. And we need to be able to understand that when we're reading the scriptures. Yeah, and even the, the famous statement, no man knows the day or hour. Well, if you're in that final seven-year period of time called the tribulation, you can actually know the day or the hour because the seven-year period called the tribulation begins when the Antichrist enters into a strong covenant with many for seven years. Uh, as soon as you know that ink is dried on that treaty or the, I don't know, the the electronic <laughs> signature is is there. Uh, you can know it's going to be seven years till Jesus comes back. Mm. You can also know that at the midway point of the tribulation period, when the Antichrist goes into a rebuilt temple in Jerusalem, declares himself God to be worshipped, there's, there's going to be 1,390 days till Jesus comes back. Daniel tells us this. Yes. So you can know the day, even the hour, of Jesus' return to earth, but you can't know the day or the hour of his coming for his people. Yeah, the Bible's so awesome because even as an 18-year-old dude reading it back in the day, I thought this way. I just was like, wow, this book is so fascinating in that it continues to hone in uh, through biblical prophecy on who the Redeemer will be. And so it goes, you know, it narrows into all of a sudden the line of Judah. 
And then Judah becomes a huge focal point of the Bible. And that's why you have books like historical books like First and Second Kings and right. First and Second Chronicles and, and all the genealogies in Nehemiah and Ezra, and it goes down because it's especially wanting you to understand the line of Judah because someone's coming from that line. The yeah, but there's that interesting telescoping. Yeah, that's right. Because, that's going on. Because you start out with Noah's sons. Right. Right. Shem, you know, Ham, and Japheth. His three sons that right. basically ended up being the forefathers of every people group in the world. Mm -hmm. But then it telescopes down to, to the sons of Shem. Right. And from the sons of Shem, it telescopes down to the family of a fellow Her. by the name of Abraham. Yeah. And this fellow Abraham, it telescopes down to his son Isaac and then to uh, Jacob and his 12 sons. But then it focuses in yeah. on the one tribe of the 12 sons of Jacob, the tribe of Judah. Yeah, yeah. unreal. Yeah. And, and then, you know, and then you get into, you know, Daniel and, and there's this masterpiece of a chapter, uh, chapter nine, that literally just gives us dates, like gives us a countdown clock. Right. And of when literally the first coming of the final promised son the, uh, of the woman, the, the seed of the woman that will crush the serpent's head. Right. This has been just going and going and going throughout the Bible. And it really, and it really blew me away that reading it that the Bible was written by a bunch of different people. And because it flowed so amazingly well, right? I, I was like, you know, this is unreal that that this collection of books is all on the same page when it came to this issue of the redeemer of the world needing to be redeemed, right? And how this was going to take place, and uh, and through a specific tribe and during a specific time. Um, and, and uh, you know, sometimes when people doubt God and they wonder like, God, is God really there? Um, I, I never doubt that. I haven't doubted that in a long, long, long time um, that God's, you know, there. Um, and it's because of just simply reading the Bible and the sure foundation of the text itself, meaning the historical reliability of the Bible. Right. What it's talking about has come to pass already. And if it's already come to pass already, a ton of it, then I can be pretty confident that what it's saying about a time in our future, that it's going to happen, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and, and so, you know, some people out there, I think when you doubt the Lord, um, you have to just go back to simply reading the Bible mm -hmm. and, and ask yourself, hey, am I, is my nose in the Word? Yeah, not you know? in, you know, the latest takes. Takes, not YouTube. Of, of, of the <laughs> intelligentsia. Right. Uh, or yeah. some particular group or, or association about the Word. Right. You know, it, it was funny. One of the great... Uh, bizarre discoveries I made when I was in seminary uh, was this, was that um, when the, the Jews uh, of Jesus' day dealt with God's truth, they had uh, basically created a couple of layers that removed them from actually considering God's truth. The first was the Mishnah, 
which was the commentaries of the rabbis about the Bible. Mm -hmm. And then there was the Gemara, which was the commentary on the commentaries that the rabbis wrote. That's a serious book. About the Bible. <laughs> because, oh my goodness, this rabbi is so brilliant. And so, you know, we got it, you know. And, and, and it's so funny, there's no new mistakes. Right. Because, you know, like you mentioned, we have our uh, Twitter feed and, uh, you know, the, the thing that I've just discovered about social media in general. But Twitter in specific is Christians love to argue. Mm. Man, they love to beef with each other about the silliest things, really. And most of the beefs happen not because someone is, you know, sharing the simplicity of, of the scripture and, and, you know, just saying, oh man, I was reading the Gospel of John today and, you know, how Jesus dealt with that woman caught in the midst of adultery and he wrote in the dust and tied back to Jeremiah. It's just so awesome. And so said, well, you know, the scholars are not sure that that really fits into the Gospel of John chapter 8. It might have been part of Luke, might have been an extrapolation and we are going to, and then somebody said, well, how dare you say that your extrapolation and you're one of those Lucan people and I'm one of these John Johannine people over here and here are all the brilliant thinkers that support my and, and you know and I look at that and I, I read some of this stuff and I can almost feel my joy in the Lord draining away <laughs> yeah totally as I read this stuff and I just say hi I'm Bo I'm from SoCal yeah but 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 we <laughs> I love we, Jesus yeah but but we turn Jesus. up our nose at the Jewish people right. because they had the Mishnah and the Gemara yeah. and and yeah. commentaries on the commentaries and all of this yeah. other stuff. Mm. But we do the exact same thing. Same thing. Yeah. And, yeah. and maybe that's the coolest thing about this yep. um, is that, uh, you know, for me, you know, people ask, well, how did you get involved with Calvary Chapel? I mean, you took most of your classes at John MacArthur's church in Sun, uh, Sun Valley. And, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, you were on a, a, a satellite church of Grace Communities mm -hmm. and, and all of this, and you know, Talbot grad, and how in the world did you end up uh, in Calvary Chapel? Well, you know, there was a time where, you know, we used to, you know, talk about Calvary Chapel and kind of, you know, kind of cluck our tongues and roll our eyes and say, well, that's fine for JV Christians, but we really study in the original languages. But I remember uh, meeting some guys from Calvary Chapel when I was doing college ministry at the U of A. And the thing about them was they just had this spark of love for God that mm -hmm. I used to have before I became Mr. Professional with it, uh, national author, see me on TV kind of Christian. And I just longed for that. Mm. You know, I wanted to have that simplicity of, of that Jesus movement yeah. kind of Christianity back. And they said, oh, you should listen to Chuck Smith on the radio. And so I started listening to him. And, and you know, rarely would Chuck say something in his commentary that I hadn't studied or read or couldn't give you three different, you know, commentators' views on the subject he was talking about. But the way that he shared you know, and just the way God's love flowed through him in such simplicity, it just touched my heart so much. And I just remember praying, you know, I, I want to love God like this guy does. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want to win every debate. You know, I don't want everybody to think that I'm the, the king of biblical knowledge. I just want to love Jesus like he does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and I think when we get back to that, just back to the, wow, isn't it? cool yeah. that Jesus was able to say to this woman, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Man, doesn't that have so much to say to people today? Yeah. You know, well, wait a minute. We've got to debate this a little bit longer. Right. You know, so, yeah. you know. I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. But, you know, so you might be out there. Maybe you're driving and, you know, you're feeling a little distant from God. And, you know, maybe a tragedy's happened and you wonder, 
you know, uh, you know, what's happened, you know, where's God? I mean, I, I've lost both my parents in five years. Yeah. Um, I have, have had quite a bit of tragedy come my way over the last few years. Yeah. And, um, but I never, I, I, I just don't doubt God's work in my life in the slightest. Like, yeah. like when I read the word, I am just like w- amazed by everything that's come to pass uh, everything that God says, uh, I love the details of the Bible. Ezra, a scribe, writing everything down. Mm-hmm. Um, everything's so detailed. Genealogies are so detailed. Knowing the Word of God, writing the Word of God down. You know, I was always taught the Bible was given through oral tradition. Yeah, and this week uh, yeah. there were a couple of discoveries that were made. Uh, one discovery, this uh, little tiny piece of uh, lead that had written on it uh, the uh, the curse that was pronounced on Mount Ebal mm. and Mount Gerizim and it dates uh, all the way back to the time basically of Joshua wow and it has That's like awesome. like this you know and they were finally able to x-ray this because they didn't want to open this little piece of lead because it would break it and, yeah you know but they were able to x-ray it and they were able to find uh, you know this uh, Hebrew that was remarkably like the Hebrew that you find, you know, for instance, in the Masoretic text and, mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And then they found this other uh, discovery, uh, and I was reading about it yesterday, in, uh, in like this trash heap in Jerusalem that they were sifting through, and they found this, uh, this uh, piece of, uh, it was, it was kind of like slate, but it was written on, and it had uh, this sophisticated language talking about I guess this guy made uh, bone boxes. He sold them for a living. Mm. And it was his ledger of, about who he was making these bone boxes mm. for and how much they owed him. His accounting. You know, and it was just yeah. like this blue collar guy who had written this down. And you, you go, well, you know, what does that have to do with it? Well, it has a lot to do with that because there are people who will say, well, you know, everybody in Jesus' day was illiterate. You know, maybe, you know, 10% of people could read. You know, and so we know that this is all oral tradition and oral tradition changes. And yeah, well, yeah. I'm not uh, I'm not denying that there was strong oral tradition that went on there. But when you see that this guy who was selling bone boxes kept meticulous records, written records during that time. Yeah. And he wasn't part of the intelligentsia. He wasn't part of the mucky mugs. He wasn't part of the upper ups. He was just a guy who made his living in the mortuary business, if you yeah. will. You know, it, it, you know, that sort of thing comes to pass right you know and we see well wait a minute you know the ezra the scribe wrote those things down well there was a time where people roll their eyes and say oh come on you know we yeah. know that you know writing didn't even exist at the time of moses so moses right. couldn't have written the first five books so we have four different authors who wrote the first five books of moses and that's what all smart people right. think that's what i learned that's what i remember going to college and and having a class where they talked about mm-hmm. that yeah and then they discover a place called uh uh, Tel Mardik mm-hmm. in Syria. This ancient city of Ebla was uncovered. And they found this huge library of this incredibly sophisticated cuneiform writing on these clay tablets. And they were able to translate them. And they talked about places like Sodom and Gomorrah as real places that they did trade with. They talked about the Hittites as a major empire during that time that they were involved with commerce with and, and things along those lines. There were those who would say, well, Hittites and Sodom and Gomorrah, that's all mythic because, you know. And, uh, and the, the amazing thing about Ebla is that Ebla predates the time of Moses by a thousand years. Right. 
so the, the whole foundation stone of what's called the documentary hypothesis that that uh, the first five books couldn't have been written by Moses because no one knew how to read or write then. Right. Blown out of the water. Yeah. But they still teach it. They st- yeah, it's un- it's <laughs> it cracks me up. And what's weird is when you read, when you just, you know, I, and I think of me as just a stupid, so cow, typical party kid. You know, me reading the Bible n- saw that that was not true. You could just read the Bible and know that it's talking, it, it talks about them writing and reading. And so it's either you're going to trust the text and go, these people were writing and reading, or you have to trust a professor who's, who's trying to give you his take on a historical event. Mm. And, and it's like, well, it already says that they read and write. So like, why would I doubt that? Like, you know, um, it just to me it, it just seems so simple you know like this is what Ezra was a scribe yeah. you know what do scribes do they they write out things they scribe yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and and so you know when they found you know in the Old Testament when the kings found the 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 word of the Lord they didn't go hey we don't know how to read so well I guess that's a bummer yeah no they read it and they were they were absolutely weeping Be, why and even in nehemiah's day they're weeping and nehemiah says hey man you know be joyful yeah don't be so weepy but they were weeping because man they saw how far they had fallen probably from doing the works of of the covenant you know under moses right and um so they all understood they all could get it they all it, it's like we we have dumb you know i think just in secular our, our secular world we've really uh, done a disservice by saying that the ancient people were really stupid yeah and um that's unfortunate you know yeah i think uh, i think every generation kind of has uh, sort of um i don't know a, a haughtiness of pride that says you know we alone mm-hmm. are the ones that have really figured things out right we are the superior culture right you know and uh, it's amazing what health will do you know and <laughs> and i just kind of wonder you know the superior culture that we're all supposed to be a, a part of what would happen in the superior culture if uh, you know there's this uh, phenomena called the carrington event uh which was a massive solar flare that hit the earth in like the 1860s hmm. and it was so intense that it blew up uh telegraph lines and things like that. I mean, just that low level of electrical, you know, interface they had back then. I always kind of wonder what would happen to our culture and the average person in our culture if there was another Carrington event, Hmm. if suddenly we were deprived of electricity for months, you know, what would happen? How many people would survive, you know, Hmm. and people back then be like, no big deal. Yeah. We do what we always did. Right. You know, so right. who's the more this superior culture? This is how you culture? make this. This is how you <laughs> yeah. make that. Yeah. You yeah. Know? yeah. Well, yeah. guys, on behalf of the people. Yes. The we peeps. have questions. Okay. Well, you can interrupt at any time. We have questions. <laughs> Could I? We have questions. Could I have? Sure. Yeah, yeah we got, we got yeah. some, let's, got some let's good dive questions. In. Yeah. Uh, well, a question from Annie. Um, thank you. Thank you for your questions. All your questions, send them in. You guys are wonderful. A uh, question from Annie. Uh, she says, this, this morning, she heard Pastor Scott, that's you, by the way, um, refer to the four principles of gospel doctrine on Sunrise, which is our radio show where we play the, the messages from Calvary Christian Fellowship here. But what are they? The four principles of gospel doctrine. Do you remember talking about that and what they are? The four principles of gospel y- yeah, doctrine? Yeah, the four principles of gospel doctrine, apparently. 
Um, I am not certain what Annie is referring to yeah. there. Well, we might have to do some more digging and research. But uh, if you could be more specific about that, okay. I'll be happy to answer the question. Yeah, okay, Annie, so maybe send in, uh, if you can follow up and um, let us know what you heard and we can try and figure out what that what that was. I was trying to think of like a, a, a Pastor Scott acronym, you know, that was yeah, for. I can't know, think of one either. Because you have used well. acronyms before. <laughs> Um, in yeah, de- you know, apologetic. Yeah, yeah. I, I just don't want to talk past Annie's question. Yeah, and, yeah. You know. So if you can expand on that, Annie, yeah. we'd be glad to yeah. figure out what that was uh, that he talked. Um, okay. Well, question from uh, Hilton. David picked up five stones. One killed Goliath. What are the other? What were the others used for? Why did he pick up five stones? Well, uh, Hilton, I think that's a great question. And one of the things that we discover later on in the accounts is that uh, Goliath had brothers. Mm. <laughs> And uh, it is very possible mm. that Goliath picked, uh, that David picked up these five stones for a couple of different reasons. Uh, number one, uh, he wasn't going to be foolish or presumptuous. He did not know that the first one would land and be as effective as it was. And so, uh, you know, the second time might have been the charm because the hand of God was obviously on him. It only took one and Goliath went down. Uh, he was not killed by that stone, by the way. David beheaded him. That's right. uh, and, uh, and so, uh, you know, the idea of, Uh, being able to have some more of that ammunition may have been because Goliath had brothers, uh, you know, one had six fingers and, you know, again, they were all large stature. Uh, The other could have been if, uh, you know, maybe one of, uh, you know, Goliath's fanboys, if you want to use that term, saw Goliath go down, was just enraged and went after David. He wanted to be able to defend himself. Now, remember, he's not taking Saul's sword with him. He took Goliath's sword and cut his 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 head off that's right yeah so all he had to defend himself was his sling and his stones that he had used as a shepherd so having these stones prepared was probably a great uh, picture of the fact that uh, we need to trust god but we shouldn't be presumptuous uh trusting god doesn't mean that you don't prepare for other other eventualities in this case they were unnecessary but uh, probably because there were other brothers or maybe because in the midst of all of this, some overly enthusiastic Philistine might have tried to make a run at him. Yep. Uh, David was far more adept with a sling and a stone uh, because he had used it to defend his sheep against bears and other lions and other predatory animals. Tigers, oh my. Yeah, no tigers. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, the, the, the bottom line was uh, he went in prepared. Uh, God took care of it, but it doesn't uh, mean that just because God's going to take care of us that we don't prepare for eventualities. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a great point of preparation. I, I, I do think um, that this is one of those narratives in the Old Testament uh, where most of us um, who have not been from a church background have, this, have the narrative wrong. Like, like we never knew that actually uh, Goliath wasn't killed by the actual stone. Mm. Um, you know, the, like knowing, like, and that's something that it, I think a lot of church people assume that are, you know, wrongly that he yeah. was killed by the stone right. when he wasn't. Yeah. You know, King or it gets G- simplified in, in, you know, kids' ministry, right. Sunday school, you know. Just, that's right. Yeah. Well, in kids' ministry, someone hacking someone's head off. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Let's just cut that detail out. Yeah. Maybe that's some right. distressed parents after that. <laughs> Even though we Hey, didn't. kids, let's see how David <laughs> yeah. really killed let's Goliath. Let's act it out. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that we did have a, a wonderful uh, co-laborer in our children's ministry do some painting for us one Some murals, year, yeah. Some murals. <laughs> and they did one of David over Goliath. <laughs> 
Yeah, it was quite the painting. It was. There, yeah, it was like a corridor, right? And there was all these pictures, <laughs> yes. and it was kind of scary to walk down there in, in the yeah. evening. <laughs> yeah, and, and lest you think uh, we're implying this in First uh, Samuel 17 and verse 51, we are told, uh, first of all, David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him, but there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore, David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of his sheath and killed him and cut off his head with him. That's not a contradiction. The process of killing the giant first involved immobilizing him, knocking him out, knocking him unconscious. Yeah. And then the final blow was cutting off his head. Yeah. And so that's, I think, one thing that uh, a lot of times we get a little off with that narrative. Yeah. And, and the other thing I love is just the idea is, you know, David knew how many stones he had probably always taken, meaning David, was, this is a normal thing for David, you know, and he probably took five stones before, you know, I'm sure he, you know, he had a hand and it was a certain size. And I'm sure throughout his life, that guy would reach in to these, you know, creek beds or wherever and get these smooth stones. Yeah, true story about the creek bed. Yeah. And uh, if you ever go with us on a tour to Israel, we got one coming up in 2025. We're kneeling down the date on that. Very exciting. Yes. Uh, but uh, one of the, the uh, you can't miss sort of sites, for, especially for someone being there the first time, is you go to the Valley of Elah, where this battle took place. And it's really fascinating because even to this day, you can see why this battle took place there. There's one hillside and then this long, maybe quarter mile across valley, flat valley, where this creek runs through. And then there's another hillside on the other side. So both armies could line up on both of these hillsides and watch each other and so on. Hmm. Um, <laughs> the, the interesting thing is this, whenever you go to the Valley of Elah, you go to that, that creek bed and there's always these smooth rocks there. And people are like, oh my gosh, maybe, maybe I'm gonna pick up you know, the stone that David used hey, to kill Goliath and, <laughs> and all of this. And they, oh, you never know. And, all, and the, the, uh, our tour guide told me that um, after all the tours go through on Monday morning, uh, you can watch this big uh, dump truck Bulldozer. comes out that's filled with these small stones and they, oh, they dump, them, dump out them out. <laughs> so there's plenty of stones for the oh. tourists there to pick up. Yeah. I picked one up. Yeah, and I think mine was really. <laughs> that's a, awesome. It's a it, yeah, I've got as good a chance as anybody. Well, that's yeah. ruined for everybody now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we tell you the whole truth here on this podcast, but that's I right. digress. No, but yeah. I just, I just think David, you know, had a, a certain size hand, and he knew what his hand could take, and he did it before, and he probably reached in, and he probably took five stones because that's what he's always taken. Yeah. <laughs> and and I love the idea of preparation. You know, he always he always probably grabbed that. He probably was like, "This is what God's always provided for me." Yeah. This is how it is, you know, and uh, I don't think he was like, hey, Goliath's coming. Maybe I should take six. No, five. No, three. You know, yeah, and, and I've seen people go to town like five smooth stones. You know, the number five in scripture is associated with grace. Right. And right. So David knew it was only by grace that he would prevail. Well, OK, I, yeah. I don't doubt the fact that David knew Mm -hmm. that unless God saved his bacon, he wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the, the, the idea that somehow there was some deep mystical meaning yeah. behind that. Yeah, yeah, well, certainly my take is that he just had a, a hand that could <laughs> draw five. Sometimes yeah. a stone is just a stone. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think I reach my hand. I got a small hand. I reach in, I'd probably grab three, and I'd probably be fine. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. I'd get about seven or eight. You see, man, that's like triune, dude. And, uh, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, Hilton. Okay, next question, Dave. <laughs> next that, question. Hope that helps you, Al yeah. Hilton. Mm -hmm. um, so Annie, uh, she sent a bit of clarification. Uh, she said, Pastor Scott said something like, 
Now, if someone was ready to accept the gospel or accept salvation, then I'd say let's go over the four spiritual oh, principles of doctrine. Oh, so, oh yeah. the four spiritual laws. Oh, okay. okay. Here well, we go. Anyone that has been involved with Campus Crusade knows that there are, you know, the famous track, the four spiritual laws. Number one uh, law is God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Uh, you know, and again, we see that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The second spiritual law is that sin has separated us from God, that mankind doesn't have this uh, full and wonderful life and this relationship with God because our sins have separated us from him. The wages of sin is death. The third spiritual law is that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to pay the price that was due us for our sins, to pay the price of death so that we could be reconciled to God. The perfect life of Jesus takes our place, our imperfect life. The wrath of God was poured out on Jesus when he died for us on the cross. And the final spiritual law is that uh, each person has to make a decision to say yes or no to God's offer of salvation purchased by Jesus' death and resurrection. You know, we do this through prayer. And so they will show you uh, oftentimes on these tracks, they'll have two circles there and they'll say, here is the life that has Christ on it and everything looks really great. And here's the other one where it doesn't have Christ in it and it's all messed up. Which best represents your life? Which would you want to have represent your life? Uh, you know, and if you would like to receive Jesus as your savior, then they will pray through uh, a prayer with people. But that's what these uh, four gospel principles are all about. Nice. And, and yep. we do have those uh, behind the chairs for anybody to take uh, at the services here at mm. CCF. So uh, they kind of stick up on the back of the chairs. Yeah, so. the little pockets yeah, there. Yeah, little, little pockets. pockets. Cool. Yep. Well, thanks, Annie. Thanks for clarifying okay. that. Uh, thank, thank you for hanging in there with that, Annie. I wasn't yeah. sure if you were talking about the Gospels <laughs> in terms of Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, or how you share your faith. So yes. That, that helps. Did Pastor Scott yeah. indeed say, yes, he did. So yeah. thank you. A uh, question from uh, Angelica uh, to you, Pastor Bo. Um, I'm struggling with porn and masturbation or self-gratification every mm -hmm. single day. Am I living in sin and not saved? The Bible says that he who practices sin isn't saved, does it indeed? Um, Obviously, you have a lot of experience with this with, um, you know, like I say, through Running Light Ministries and the support groups you do, this is kind of your yeah. Area. This is great, yeah. and this and, and this is a big it is a big one. Yeah, and I would first say that you know the passage in the book of First John, um, those that are practicing sin, we have to be careful how we use that. Uh, I, I would use that best um, within the context of First John, talking about those who know. Um, that are trusting Jesus as coming in the flesh and being the Messiah and being God in human flesh mm. and those who are rejecting that. Uh, John is writing to a certain specific audience, uh, uh, a Gnostic group of people that had a different philosophical idea on, um, a, a, and a different theological idea mm. on Jesus. And um, because Everybody practices sin in some way, right. meaning everybody has ruts that they, you know, the Bible says it this way, even if you know to do sin and you do not do it, you know, you've sinned, you know, you're, you're practicing it. Meaning if you, if you don't, if you're not, if you're not doing what you should be doing, right. the, the thing that is, 
uh, you know, the loving thing to do, the compassionate thing to do, the right thing to do. Yeah. And if you go out your throughout your day and you do an inventory of your of your day, there's yeah. a lot of things you probably neglected to do right. you didn't do. Right. Um, and so we have to be careful when we're talking about you know um, G, you know sin and practicing yeah. sin. Yeah. There is sin, obviously, in the Bible where someone hardens their heart from God and they don't want to call the sin a sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, to me, is more, that is where uh, when someone's practice, practicing sin and they're really going down the wrong p- path, they've gotten to a place where they do no longer call the sinful behavior, a sinful behavior. Yeah, they've kind of made peace with it, basically. Yeah, yeah, well, it's like it's like the Pharisees. You know, they didn't maybe, you know, commit adultery or weren't involved in sexual sin. Like, that's not their issue, but they were practicing sin. Yeah. They were, they were knee-deep in it. Yeah. You know, but it, it looked different, mm-hmm. you know, and they, they would not call what they did sin. And this is scary because a lot of people in the church don't want to admit to their sin or don't want to look at themselves and do that inventory and go, wow, you know what? I went through that parking lot and I didn't pick up any paper today. That's sin. You know, you neglected to do things. You neglected, you saw trash. You didn't take care of it. You're, you're assuming upon other people maybe to do it. You don't want to do it yourself. You become lazy. It might be we become prideful. But that takes some inventory in your life. You got to look at yourself and go, hey, what did I do in the day? And yeah. a lot of people don't like to admit their sin. But yet Jesus tells us, tells us when we pray, he says, hey, guess what? Our Father who art in heaven, mm-hmm. hallowed be thy name. This is how you should pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Uh, right? Yeah. Forgive us this day, you know, and forgive us our sins. Mm-hmm. So Jesus knows that we're going to sin. Yeah. So I hope I, I've made in a short period of time a good defense that you can't say that, oh my gosh, I'm struggling in a sin, yeah. a repetitive sin, and that means I'm practicing sin, and that really the Christian life is one where you become sinless. Hmm. Because right. Jesus taught us to pray, and he said, when you pray, you're going to be praying, you're going to be confessing your sin. That's a part of your prayer life. Yeah. We will be sinless. I want to give her that hope. We will be sinless. We will win. And that's the beautiful thing. You will win. This woman will win and no longer serve her flesh if she is in Christ. Yeah. It will happen. It might not happen on this planet 100%, but it will happen. You know, um, you know it's funny. It says uh, in the book of Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4, in verse 1, those who have suffered in the flesh have ceased from sin. There's going to come a time where you and I will suffer in our flesh. And man, you know what's happening? The process of us becoming sinless is starting to happen. Yeah. And it's going to be radical. And that's called our physical death. Um, but this is what God's done is he's redeemed our bodies and our life in such a way that our, our physical death has become the portal to sin-free life. Yeah. I mean, redeemed life. Right. And, and so I want to give you all the hope in the world that, you know, you struggle with, with those things. Hey, I want to tell you, I struggle with those things. Those are things I have to work on all the time and every day. Mm-hmm. 
And so you're calling a spade a spade good. You know, I would, I would commend you for that. You didn't ask the question and say, hey, I don't think this is a sin. You said, no, this is a sin yeah. and I'm in it. Yeah. And so, and that's good because you recognize it's a sin. We have to recognize yeah. that our behavior There's is sinful. There, yeah. Yep. And, and that's a good sign. I've always got that from your sermons for 30 years that, you know, the, the scary thing is if you, you know, just have no conviction of it or, you know, and that kind of idea. The struggle is everything. But yeah. The, yeah, yeah. The or if you can get yeah. away with it, you've said as well, if you can just sin and nothing, you know, yeah. then you may not have a father who's, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know yeah. what I mean? But God's always working in your heart and you're always, you know, if you're going through that gyration in life, uh, the Christian life of going, man, God, I've sinned, you know, and then, and then you have, you know, some time where you, you don't, and then you get, you fall back into it. You know, that, that is a Christian life. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know of any Christian who does not need confession. I don't know of any Christian who does not need repentance. I don't know where in the New Testament it says like you get to a certain place and then what Jesus said about prayer is no longer valid to you. It's just no longer valid. No, it's always confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. There is healing and God does, I believe, supernaturally heal us. And he does it in his own time. He does it in his own way. But I'm going to give you so, just some things that the Bible says for us to do. And that is get involved in the body of Christ. The body of Christ is there. And it says it's that within the body of Christ is the manifold grace of God. First Peter chapter four, verse 10. So the manifold grace of God is seen within the body of Christ. And so this is what God, these are the tools that God has given us to be able to walk this struggling walk on this earth. It's not independent of the body of Christ. It's within the body of Christ, within the community. So we're not to struggle with our sin alone. We are to bring that into the light with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so if you haven't done that, find a church that loves Jesus and loves people and so that you can go to it and you can find safe people that you can first take your confessions to and bring that into the community. And then find the, within that community, you find scripture, drinking now from the well of Jesus Christ all the time. You find accountability too. You find people that you can start talking to more about, you know, what you're doing, you know, uh, why you're doing it, things like that. I've, I've gone through this over and over and over in my own brain with many people. Um, but, you know, these, these things are all there in the body of Christ, a healthy church to help you to be able to walk in a, what, I, what I call a relative victory. A rel, you know, mm. it's relative, meaning it's not, it's not a complete, you know, unless God just completely goes boom, you know, and it, and it could happen. Sometimes it does. Sometimes yeah. it does. But yeah. sometimes God says, you know what? It's like you need to work on learning how to confess your sin. You need to work because that's going to humble you. You need to work on how to stay accountable to people. Or patience. Or patience. Yeah. yeah. Perseverance. Yeah. Endurance. Yeah. Um, courage. That, I pray for that all the time. God, give me courage because I'm so frail, yeah. you know. So 
I hope that helps. Yeah, and that is victory. That's what I hear you saying. That those yeah. things are victory. Yeah. Not the, you know, just abolishing that from your life, but the the confession and the. And that's know, a the recognize. And that's a paradigm shift, Dave. What you're saying. Yeah. It's uh, it's a paradigm shift. Some people define victory as what's going to happen in the future right. with yeah. us. You overcome it completely. Right. It's when, gone. When, no, we're already victorious in Christ. Right. You know, we are overcomers in Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know, our faith has overcome the world. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. So important. Uh, the only thing I'd add to that is, yeah. it's so important for us to, uh, yeah, this is a really good barometer, I think, to take your spiritual temperature. Uh, Romans chapter 8 and uh, verse 21 says, I find in a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the, in the inner man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You know, I, I think this is the barometer. You know, if you look at that and you say, okay, when I come before the Lord, do I say, O wretched man that I was? Mm. You know, that, uh, you know, I used, you know, I, I remember a friend saying he was in church one day and they were singing Amazing Grace and this uh, lady that was all dressed up in her Sunday get gear said, uh, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved the wretch and me. You know, like I'm not a wretch, yeah. you know, uh, I'm a very good person, but you know, I'm gonna give Jesus even his propers for, you know, here's the apostle Paul, he didn't say wretched man that I was, he said wretched man that I am. Yeah. And I think one of the surest signs that you're really maturing in your walk with God uh, is understanding that uh, the closer you get to Jesus, the more you realize, man, I'm not him. Yeah, I mean, and I, I need to be him. I need to be him in my character. Yeah. But the closer I get to him, the more the spots and the blotches and the blemishes show up in my life. Yeah. Paul the Apostle says in First Timothy chapter one verse fifteen. You guys quoted this the other day on the show, but this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Yes. That's right. Wow. And we are out of time for today. Oh, oh thank man. you, Pascana. Let's do another hour. <laughs> yeah. Have a great weekend. Thank you for being part of Reason for Hope. We'll see you back here on Monday. Yeah. God bless you guys. You've been listening to A Reason for Hope. Thank you again for joining us as we continue our journey through God's Word, one question of the heart at a time. Until we meet again, we would love to connect with you. You can text or email your questions to questionsforhope at gmail.com. You can also find out more about our ministry at calvarychristianfellowship.com. And be sure to join us next time on A Reason for Hope. A Reason for Hope is an outreach ministry of Calvary Christian Fellowship in Tucson, Arizona.